Well, hey, everybody. It's great to see you. Uh, great to be together today. Hey, I want to um, start off by asking you to think about a time in your life uh, when you face danger. I want you to think about a time when you face danger and you were actually saved from it. Uh, you were steered away from something that maybe wouldn't have gone well for you if it had continued to play out. Uh, this week at the dinner table, Christina shared with our family, Christina and my wife, about a time in her life uh, when she was about five years old and she was in swimming lessons and, and they had just graduated up the class uh, to the next level. And so she was telling us about how she had a new instructor and the, the very first practice, the instructor got all the, the little kids, the little five-year-olds in a line on the, on the, you know, at the end of the pool. And, and unfortunately, Christina was kind of right in the middle lane. And, and the teacher said right away, she said, okay, this is the level we're at. And she said, um, I want you to swim all the way down, and then I want you to swim all the way back. And then we'll get started with the rest of practice. And so she was a little worried about that, but did it anyway because she was five, right? And so she starts swimming down, and she got the down part okay, but then she really struggled with the back part. And when she got about halfway, she said, I, I wasn't a very good swimmer, and, and I thought I could get there if I was just fast enough on the way there, but I ran out of steam on the way back, and so her skill caught up to her, and she said, she's, you know, you've seen these, this scene before, she's kind of, you know, flailing there in the water, and all of a sudden she realizes, I, I, I can't make it to either side, and I definitely can't make it all the way back, and so she takes a deep breath, and then she goes down. And she said, though, to her surprise, when she took that deep breath and she began to sink down, the bottom wasn't as far as she thought it would be. And so all of a sudden she found herself kind of like this. And, and so she sprang up, got above the water, took another breath, and just kept doing this, right? And all of a sudden she said about the fourth time the instructor caught her eyes and they made eye contact and the instructor could tell, you're about to drown. And so she dove in and she saved her, right? Now I don't know who that woman is, but I, I thank God for her today, right? Let me ask you, have you ever had something like that? It's likely that we all have a story like that. You know, a time where you were steered away from danger. Today we're going to talk about that. We've been in a series together that's been a lot of fun, this series on prayer. And I want to welcome you this morning. Maybe you're watching online, maybe you're traveling this weekend. Um, maybe you're at our Millard or our Elkhorn campuses. Welcome to you. Maybe you're one of the guys in Mod 7. We want to just tell you we're pulling and praying for you guys at the Correctional Center campus this morning. But in this series, what we've been doing is this. We've been looking at the scriptures, and we've been looking at Matthew, particularly Matthew chapter 6, and we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer. And so we've been going through this prayer line by line, and Jesus is talking to a group of people that on so many accounts, they're a lot like you, and they're a lot like me. They're a group of people that they have highs and lows in life. They're a group of people that they have weeks where they just go, wow, spike the football, that was a great week. And then they have, Jesus is talking to people who are going through hard times. They're really struggling. They've experienced loss. Whatever it is, they're really in a hard place. But what we know about the, these people is this. They came to Jesus because they saw something different in his life. And they came to Jesus and they asked him this question. They said, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? Now, what's odd about their question, though, is this. These were Jewish men who had been raised. So by, uh, by five years old in a Jewish culture, these young boys were reciting prayers. So it wasn't as though they didn't know how to pray. They knew how to pray. But they wanted to be able to pray like Jesus prayed. Jesus, would you teach us to pray like you do? 
Because when they, when they saw Jesus pray, because that habit was so established in his life, he was always going out. He, he found his place. He found his time. And he was always going out, and he was meeting with God in prayer. And, but they wanted to know Jesus. We want to have the same experiences that you have, Jesus. We want to know God like you know God. So Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? And i got to tell you, everybody, it's been so fun to be in this series. It's been so encouraging. Uh, because again, just this week, I heard different stories about so many of you. You're telling me things like this. This is my place. Uh, this is my time. Some of you are going to a corner in the basement. Some of you are going up to the attic. Others of you are, are you're circling your bedroom in prayer. Other, others of you, you're in, you found a corner of the jail cell where you're at, and you're praying. You've picked your time. You've picked your place. But what I love is to hear the stories, not only that you're praying, but we're starting now because we're getting toward the end of this series. And some of you, you've got this new habit in your life. You're beginning to see God answer those prayers. What a ride. Uh, this week I was in my little storage room space and I was looking at my little prayer wall. I just have these little uh, cards on the wall. And, and I was praying for this young man. I've been praying for him for this whole series. Because he's in a place in his life where he had to make a big decision. And he needed clarity. And I loved it because this week... That prayer got answered. He got such good clarity on an important decision that he needed to make. It is so fun to see how God is answering our prayers. And so, Brookside, I just want to continue to encourage you. Keep it up. You will never regret picking a time, picking a place, and to beginning to pray, even if it's brand new for you. I heard it said this week, and I wanted to encourage you with this. It says this, this person said this, God loves watching things grow. You know, I think sometimes when we think about this topic of prayer, maybe you set out with great intentions and it hasn't gone very well. Sometimes I think that we think God is only happy with us when we sound like a walking commentary. Like God's going to be, he'll, he'll be happy with me when I'm finally at a, whatever level of maturity I think I should be at spiritually. Think about this. God loves to see you just grow. Think about a parent when they've got a little toddler and that little toddler finally gets to the point where they go from sitting to standing up next to the couch and they, their legs hold them and they're like, oh, look, and they're so excited. But then have you ever watched this happen? Have you ever seen a new parent watch a child take a step, the first step? I mean, it's like, whoa, it's like, I mean, it's like a miracle happened, right? But have you ever heard a parent say, you know, you should have taken a bigger step? Your gate was off in this, like the first, like you got to work on that, you know? No, right? That doesn't happen, right? When a child takes a step, a parent rejoices. Think about this. Even if you set out and you said, hey, I'm going to pick a time, pick a place, and let's say that you, you, you've gotten one done, or let's say that you just picked a time and place, but you never have gone there. At least you took a step. Think about this. And I want you just to hear this, church. God delights in the steps that you take. He delights in it. So today, we're going to get to the last part of this prayer. And Jesus, what we're going to see this morning is this. It's that Jesus sees danger ahead, but he wants to steer us away from it. And the image that I've had in my mind this week is this. Imagine that you're driving along and, and you're on a road that you've been on a hundred times. And you're coming up on a bridge that you've gone over a hundred times. But you see, for some reason, that bridge is out. And you're able to stop before your car careens into the place where it shouldn't go, Right? And so you're able to stop. Now imagine if you're the driver of that car and the very first thing that you do is you get out of the car and you start to sprint up the road and you wave to anybody that's coming and you just say, stop, stop. There's danger ahead. You got to stop. You don't go, don't go, stop. Now think about this. 
it would be one thing for a stranger to yell at another stranger. There's danger ahead. There's danger ahead. But imagine if it was a father yelling at his teenage daughter. Stop, honey. Stop. This morning, I want you to think this. I want you to feel this. It's as though when Jesus gives us this last part in this prayer, it's as though he says, hey, my sons, hey, my daughters, you've got to hear me this morning. There's danger ahead, and I don't want you to go that way. I want to take you in a different direction. Today, we're going to talk about temptation. We're going to talk about a topic that, honestly, I think it's a pretty heavy topic. But when Jesus looked at God's children, he knew that every single day of their lives, some days this would happen on a big front, some days on a smaller front, but Jesus knew this, that every single one of us would face temptations throughout our lives, all the time. And so in this part of the prayer, Jesus is going to, to lead us very well to say, don't go there, and this is how you cannot go there. Let me ask you this question. What are the kinds of things that tempt you? What are the greatest temptations that you face? Let me ask you, when a temptation comes your way, how do you deal with it? Where do temptations come from? How about this one? When you fall to temptation, so when the temptation comes and you just give into it, what do you do then? What do you do with the shame and the guilt and all the things that come with that? Those are some of the questions that we're going to look at this morning, but I just want to remind you that you have a God in heaven that he looks at his sons and he looks at his daughters, and I believe he pleads with us this morning to make sure that when we pray, we recruit the right help in order to help us fight temptation. So that's what we're going to see this morning when we get to verse 13. But let's review where we've been first. And so if you've got a Bible, turn with me now. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start at the top in verse 9, and we're going to go all the way through the Lord's Prayer in verse 13 is where we'll, we'll really dive in and land today. So it says this, this then is how you should pray. So just remember real quick, God is giving us these categories so that when you go to the Lord in prayer, there'll be things that you will always naturally gravitate to pray towards. We all do this. But then there are going to be other categories that you don't even think about, but they're so important. And that's the beauty of this prayer. Jesus is saying, these are the categories. I don't want you to be a rote, just a religious machine. No, no, no. These are the heartfelt categories, though, where you can pour your heart out to your God. So here we go. This then is how you should pray. Our Father, I love this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So right away we know you and I, we are not praying to an angry judge. When you and I meet with God, and that's what we're doing when we pray, everybody. Think about that. Do you feel as though he's in the room? You should. So he's not this angry judge. He's not a finger pointer at that point. No, no. He's the kind of God that you refer to him as, hey, my Father in heaven, Dad, good morning. Here we go. But it's not just, just a casual relationship either. Hallowed be your name. And so I'm talking to someone on the one hand, incredibly relationally, but on the other hand, with a whole lot of reverence because holy is his name. So he's, he's set apart. He's unlike anyone else. And that's why the meeting is so important to have. And then it says, verse 10, your kingdom come, and then your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we learned when we talked about that that week, we learned that we have two options in life. Either you can build your own thing or you can try to build God's thing. Either we can go through life and we can bust it every single day and we can really try to build an empire for ourselves to make our name great or we can be the kind of people that we say, God, I want to build something that's actually going to outlive me. 
And so this prayer says, Jesus says, it would be wise for you to come under the leadership of God and say, your kingdom come, not mine. Verse 11, give us today our daily bread. We learned that week that that's not just talking about food, bread, and water. It's, it's talking about the relationships. It's talking about your health. It's talking about courage. It's this idea that when I go to God, what I'm proclaiming is this, Lord, give me my daily bread. What I'm saying is, God, I depend on you for everything today. God, boom, in a flash, my life could be gone. And so, God, today, would you give me my daily bread? Would you help me get through this day? Provide for my needs. And then verse 11 or 12, it says, and forgive us our debts. So this, again, these are categories, as we also have forgiven our debtors. So first we learn this, that through Jesus Christ, our sins can be completely forgiven. So Lord, would you forgive me my debts? So through Jesus' faith in him, I can be completely forgiven. But then it says this, as we also, it assumes it will happen, have forgiven our debtors. And what we talked about last week was this, is that when the gospel really gets our hearts when we've truly been forgiven, then we long to forgive. And we said this, though, when you carry unforgiveness, it's as though you're carrying around baggage. It's like you picked up some luggage and you're just rolling through life. A gal emailed me this week. She said, I brought a luggage tag to work and I put it on my desk. She said, it's in the place at work where I need to be reminded to be a forgiving person. Isn't that awesome? She said, I don't want to carry baggage through life. God, would you remind me to be a forgiving person? Now verse 13, here we go. It says this. This is the last verse in this prayer. Uh, by the way, next weekend, we have a special service. We're going to tie this whole thing together. You won't want to miss it. Verse 13, Jesus is advising us on prayer. He says, don't miss this. And lead us, here it is, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, I won't speak for you, but I'll tell you what, I am really glad that this, this verse 13 is in this prayer, because I don't know about you, but I don't regularly pray for this. Like, it's not a part of my prayer life. Lord, would you lead me away from temptation? Would you deliver me from the evil one? I, I just don't, my mind doesn't uh, uh, naturally go to that place. But what Jesus is saying is this, and this is why these categories are so important. He's saying, as you go through life, you're going to face temptation. And so it's so wise for you on the front end, preventatively, to say, God, would you help me? Would you not lead me into temptation? Would you deliver me from evil? And so what I want to do now is this. We're going to look at four different questions from the scriptures that I believe are going to help equip us as we think about temptations. So the first question is this, number one, why is this prayer an important prayer to pray? Why is it important to pray, hey, Lord, would you lead me not into temptation? Would you deliver me from evil? First of all, I think we have to realize this. What are these verses not saying? Because if you read that and lead us, okay, you're praying to Jesus. You're praying, you're praying to God, the Father. Uh, Lord, lead me not into temptation, you could wonder, are there times when God is actively tempting me? doesn't seem like the character of God, but is that what that says? James chapter 1, verse 13 is helpful. It says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So then the question becomes, okay, well, if I'm going to fight temptation, i got to know where it comes from. Where does temptation then, where does it originate? I want to talk to you. Very big picture, just for a minute here. What we find in the scriptures is this. There's, there's really two realities at, at work. In our world, there's good and evil physically, but there's also a spiritual realm. 
And then there's a battle that's raging in the spiritual realm. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. And so we can go through life and we can either ignore that that's happening or we can pay attention to it. The scriptures close in Revelation chapter 20 with this account that the ultimate evil, Satan and the devil, will be defeated. But for now, everybody, we know this. There is a battle that's raging, and it impacts us every single day. C.S. Lewis put it like this. He said there's really two dangers, kind of two ditches that you can go, fall into. He said as you think about the devil and the schemes of the evil one, you can either fall into the ditch that says everything's from the devil. So you don't get a parking spot, the devil took my parking spot. <sighs> you make stupid, unwise decisions, and they're your fault. You blame them on the devil. Uh, you stub your toe, and you are convinced there is a demon that just came around the corner with a hammer, right? Everything's the devil's fault. That's one ditch. The other ditch, though, is to do nothing with it, to think nothing to be completely complacent in this area and to live as though there's not a battle, a battle that's raging in the spiritual realm. Good and evil, a very real spiritual battle is raging. That's big picture. I want to drill down though a little bit. Look with me at Matthew chapter 4. It says this, verse 1. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So who's tempting Jesus? Satan is. Satan is tempting Jesus to sin, and Satan also has fallen angels, and they're demons, and, and they're, they do the work of Satan. The Apostle Paul, he said it like this. He said it in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse 12, he said, so our struggle, as you go through your life, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, and it's against the authorities. It's against the powers of, of this dark world, and it's against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so when you are tempted, you can give credit to one, you can give credit to the devil, Satan, or you can also give credit to the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. But there's one more category. Look at James chapter 1 verse 14. There's one more category where your temptations, my temptations come from. It says, but each one, each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. So think about this, by your very nature, and this is from Genesis chapter 3 in the front of your Bible, from Genesis 3 all the way through from that point on forward to today, you and I live in this reality that our very nature is actually prone not to the things of God, but our nature is prone to things that are opposed to God. So back to the question, why is this such an important thing to pray. Again, it's because there's a very real battle that's raging. But we also need to understand a little bit about the enemy, because we cannot take the enemy lightly. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says this, be alert. Think about that. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Can you imagine if later today we went to the Henry Dorley Zoo? And you and I, we're going through the exhibits, and we're just having a grand old time. We get to the lion's cage, and now we don't know what happened, but somehow this lion got out of the cage, and, and this is the picture. Here it is. This is the one that's coming after us. How would that make you feel? Not good. Uh, we'd be running like scared children, right? And here's why. You and I have nothing for that fight. We have nothing for that fight. 
Jesus wants us to know in the scriptures, John 10.10, that you have an enemy that would love to steal, kill, and destroy the goodness of God in your life. And so when Jesus says, "This this is how you should pray, when I think about God's children, this is how they should pray, they should also include this part that they live in a very real spiritual battle, and so they should pray, God, would you help me? Because the enemy would love to see you not only lured into temptation, the enemy would love to see your marriage fail. The enemy would love to take what is seemingly small and blow it so big that you have this huge divide between you and your spouse. The enemy would love for you to be the kind of person that when you're wronged, you do carry baggage. And you become a bitter person, an angry person. The enemy would love for you to be the kind of person that you think so little of temptation that you completely ignore it and you just go with the flow. The enemy would love that. Mark Batterson put it this way. He said, when we hit our knees, we pick a fight with the enemy and the enemy will fight back. And so Jesus is signaling everyone with this prayer. He's saying, there's danger. There's danger. Don't ignore it. Don't overdo it. Don't be the only thing you always think about. But pray to your God who loves you, God, would you lead me? I was probably 10 or 11 years old, and it was a summer night, and, and um, I was going to spend the night with a buddy of mine at his cabin, just two cabins down from our place, and my best friend. And I remember that night, uh, we were going to stay in his shed that was uh, just in kind of like their backyard. And... Uh, we were pretty excited about it because when you get to stay in the shed, that means you're not in the cabin, and that means when the lights go out in the cabin, you're free to roam all night. You're 10 years old. What could be better, right? I mean, there's freedom, you know, like perfect, right? And so we were, I don't know, we we were talking about this a little bit too loud, I don't know, but um, so my friend's dad, though, before, you know, he went into the cabin, he said, hey, boys, I just wanted to tell you really quick uh, there's been a prisoner that escaped from the penitentiary, and he said, I, I just wanted you guys to know he's on the loose, and they actually think he's in this area. He's armed and dangerous, and, and then he said, I'm sure you won't see him because you'll be quiet, and you'll be here in the shed, so don't worry about it, but I just wanted you to know. We didn't roam that night. <laughs> we didn't talk. <laughs> Jesus wants us to know you live in a spiritual world. You live in a realm where there's an enemy, and the enemy is real. And so it's wise for you and I to live with, here it is, a healthy awareness that the battle is raging. The next morning, I went and asked my parents, and I said, did you hear about the incident at the penitentiary? They said, no, there isn't one nearby. And, and I learned that there was no fugitive nearby either, right? But it was so effective, wasn't it? Just knowing. Jesus is wanting us to know when we pray this, it's wise. It makes us aware. But it also calls on the only one who can help us. So when you pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation, what you're really saying is this, Lord, would you not even let me go down the road? Lord, would you help me know before I can see that the bridge is out? Would you help me know two corners ahead? Lord, I need to be delivered and diverted. Lord, I just want to take a different road. Lord, I don't even want to go in the realm. I don't even want to be in the same vicinity as the temptation. And so this morning on the front end of the day, 
God, I'm asking you, would you lead me not into temptation? God, would you deliver me from evil? I love this prayer. It's so helpful. The second question that I think we ask of it is this, how do I fight temptation? Now, we have to make an assumption here, and the assumption is this, that Jesus is, is talking to people who have decided, I want to avoid temptation. So realize when Jesus writes this prayer, he's talking to people that they have decided in their hearts, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. God's grace has been so good to me. And because God's been so good to me and because the cost of my forgiven sin was so incredibly great, I want to be the kind of person that I live in light of the cross of Jesus. And that makes me want to go, whoa, I don't want to sin. I want to avoid it. I don't want it to plague my life. I want to look back a month, a year, a decade, and be able to see I'm making progress. Like I'm further spiritually today than I was two years ago. Jesus is making that assumption. But here's what is also true. A sinless life is not evidence of a Christian, but a desire to sin less is. When you're a chosen child of the living God, you will desire to live differently. How do I fight temptation? Think of it like this. In this prayer, I think Jesus is giving us some preventative maintenance, some preventative measures that we can take. Imagine if you're fighting the flu, which, by the way, in Nebraska, we're we're not doing very well, right? But if you're going to fight the flu, preventative medicine would say this. You, you can go about it a couple different ways. Uh, you can go about it the way that you don't really do much of anything, except for hope. And you watch somebody get the flu, and you just say, ooh, I hope I don't get hit this season. And, and, but that's all you do. You, you, nothing else. And if you get the flu, then you go to the doctor because you're so miserable, and you get some Tamiflu, which you pay way too much for, but you hope that it will work. And that's how you do. And then you wait it out and you just hope that you'll get through it quick. Now, there's another approach. If you want to preventatively fight the flu, the other approach is this. You eat right. Uh, you try to exercise. Uh, you, you, know, you wash your hands all the time. Uh, you might even go above and beyond and get the dreaded flu shot. Preventative again. And, and you can go about it again one of two ways if you're trying to fight something like the flu. This prayer is like that, though. This prayer is like saying, you know what, I'm going to do everything I can because I know the flu. I know temptation is coming, and so I can either sit back and just hope that I'll be okay, or I can say, no, 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 Lord, today, I'm about to go here. Lord, my mind sometimes goes there. Lord, my marriage, I know it shouldn't go there. Oh, no, 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 God, keep me. God, would you help me to not fall to temptation? Notice that it says this next, the second part of this verse, it says, and lead us not into temptation. And then it says, but deliver us from the evil one. And so what are you asking for when you pray that? Notice that word deliver. This is an important word. Lord, would you deliver us from the evil one? If, if somebody comes to your house later today and they deliver a package, they might hand deliver that to you. UPS, FedEx, postal worker, they hand deliver you a package. Or maybe some mysterious drone just drops it right at the front door. But either way, it was delivered to you. There was a time in the scriptures, we see this in Exodus chapter 6, when God's people, they needed to be delivered. It says this, 
It says, say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will, here it is, I will deliver you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. There is no way, everybody know this, that they had the ability to deliver themselves. And this prayer makes a declaration, Lord, lead me not into temptation, God, do you deliver me? In other words, what it's saying is this, God, there's no way that I can deliver me, so God, would you deliver me from temptation? Deliver us. It's strong language. It's not uh, soft, like, Lord, would you help me if I struggle today? God, would you keep me in mind? No, no. God, would you deliver me? It's, it's strong. There's one statement I want you to remember today when you leave. Here it is. It's this statement, and I think it summarizes well verse 13. Lord, would you fight for me? So when you pray this prayer and you get to this category, I think you can say something like this. God, would you fight for me today? I know my flesh. I know my weaknesses. I know the enemy. God, would you fight for me? The other thing that we have to realize when we pray this as well is that we are accessing the power of God. Not only are we saying, God, would you deliver me from something, but we're also accessing the power of God. So it's like if you want the key to the power of God, the key to the power of God comes through prayer. Think about that, everybody. The power of God comes through prayer. You have access to the power of God. Imagine that you're in a race and you've got an option. You can either take a thoroughbred horse or you can take an aged donkey. Which would you choose? When you pray, you have the ability to say, God, would you take me? God, would you deliver me? God, I get access to prayer through you. In Mark chapter 9, verse 28, it says this. It says, then the Lord, um, Jesus, or this is what's happening. The Lord has sent out his disciples. They're doing ministry, but they come up to a complication here. Verse 28, it says, after they had gone indoors, so they're debriefing, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? So there was this boy, he was sick, he was possessed by a demon. And they prayed and they tried to drive it out, but they couldn't. Verse 29, Jesus replied, this kind came, on, came out only by prayer. In other words, guys, you can't do these on your own. Guys, church, when you pray, you unlock the access, you have total access to the power of God. Let me ask you, have you ever tried to fight temptation in your own willpower? How did it go? Have you ever tried to fight temptation through good accountability? There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. Have you ever tried to fight, fight temptation through special software on your computer or your tablet or your device? Have you ever tried to put those things in your life, good disciplines, things that are all very good, but have you ever done all of those things, however many you can put in that category, but you forgot to call out on God? That's what we sometimes do. And what Jesus wants us to know is this. It is wise for us. We can unlock. We have full access. We have access to the power of God, but we have that access when we pray. And so when the disciples saw Jesus praying every single day and they loved what they saw in his life, is it making sense? This is why they longed to be taught how to pray. And what Jesus is saying to them is this. Hey, call on the only one who can help you. Remember also, and I think this is important, remember that they're calling out to, verse 10, 
our Father, verse 9, our Father in heaven. And so think about that. If you have a child and your child, whether they're young or whether they're old, and they call you on the phone and they say, I need help. A halfway decent parent will do everything they can to help their child. There are some very sweet women in our church. Moms. Very, some of the kindest women you'll ever meet. Really sweet people. But have you ever noticed what can turn a sweet woman into a monster? You mess with her little cubs. You know what I'm talking about? I have seen some women go from nice to scary. Do you know why? Somebody messed with their kid. Everybody think about this. You are God's child. And when you call out to help, God, I need you. God, I'm struggling. Everything in your good God wells up and says, let's go. I'm here for you. I'm so glad you called. I'm so glad we met today. You're accessing the power of the one who can help you. James, or 1 Corinthians chapter 10 puts it this way. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And here it is. And God is faithful. In other words, he fights for you. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and flee from him. And I love this part, draw near to God, pick a time, pick a place, draw near to God and what's going to happen? Scriptures, this is a promise everybody, he will draw near to you. Question three, we'll fly through the last two. What is at the root of the temptations that you face? What's at the root of every temptation that I face? Here it is, very simply, it's lies. You ever had a person in your life that kept fudging the truth over and over again and, and you realized if I keep hanging out with this person and I follow these rabbit trail lies all the time, they're going to lead me to destructive places. That's what the enemy, it's at the root of every temptation is a lie. One pastor put it this way, temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the expense of obedience to God. It promises something though, right? Temptation always has a promise. It'll be satisfying. It'll lead to this. You deserve that. Temptations, though, will not deliver. So how do you combat the lies? You combat the lies with truth. Well, we have these cards for you. You can grab them in our lobbies today. They're called, they say battle ready and, um, at the top, and it says overcoming the lies that we believe with the truth of God's word. And so here's a lie. If it feels good, do it. Well, there's a scripture right next to that, though, where you can get that in your heart and your mind. Here's another lie. Uh, I can't have victory over sin. That's a lie. That's a lie straight from the enemy. Uh, God can't forgive me again. That's a huge lie. There's scripture to just say, whoa, no, not the case. Uh, God isn't with me. Oh, that's a big lie. If you ever feel alone, it's usually when you fall into temptation. Joy is out of reach. Joy is out of reach. My life is just going to be what it is. That's a lie, everybody. Psalm 16, verse 11. So take one of these, because here's what I know about you. If you're anything like me, I face these temptations, but God has truth that we go, you know what? I can confront my temptation with truth. That's how you get through temptations. That's how you defeat the lies of the enemy that would love to destroy you. Lastly, question four, what do I do when I fall to temptation? What do I do when I fall to temptation? Everybody, what do you do when you 
come against shame and guilt and frustration because you fell to the same temptation again? What do you do when you've been fighting temptation maybe really well in an area for a long, long time, but then you fall? What do you do? What do you do when you're at that place of, you kind of, it's despairing for you. Maybe it even leads to depression for you. You fell to temptation. What do you do then? Number one, you do this. You don't forget who you are. Just because you're a child of God that sinned doesn't mean that you're no longer a child of God. You're still every much a child of God as you were before. But now what you need is this. You need to say, God, would you just help me now? Would you pick me up? God, we got to try again. God, would you help me? God, I can't do this in my own strength. So God, would you pick me up? 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, here it is. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, I love this, Think about this. Every time you fall to temptation, he is faithful and just. And he will forgive us our sins. And this is beautiful. And he will purify us from all unrighteousness. So if you're here today and maybe you hated this topic that we're talking about, frankly, because you're just thinking about the temptation that you've fallen to recently. I just want to say to you this morning, Hear this. Please hear this. When you fall down to temptation, when you're in a race and you trip, what do you do? What's the next thing you need to do? You need to get up. You need to keep on. You need to say, Jesus, okay, I brushed off my legs. I'm going to get going. We're going to get back. Here we go. When you fall into temptation, everybody, it's not that that's not a big deal. It's not that sin isn't a big deal. But what it is is this. It's this reminder to us. Jesus, I am wholly dependent on you. And so, God, would you help me now? You run to him. Full dependence. We're going to end this time, this part of our service today. Uh, and I want us to, one, we're going to read through the Lord's Prayer together and make that our prayer. But I also, I want to end then after that and just say this prayer together. Lord, would you fight for me? God, would you fight for me? Because, God, I know that you're good, and I, I know if you're a Christian, you're a child of the living God. And so today we're going to say, God, would you fight for me? God, would you rescue me from these times when I'm tempted? Would you lead me to victory? So why don't you do this? Why don't you stand with me now, and um, we'll pray together. Okay, here it is. I want us to say this together, everybody, and I, I want us to read this, and I let these words today... We've taught through this whole thing now. Let this come from your soul. Say this like you, say this like you really mean it. So this then is how you should pray, and then now say this with me. Here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lord, right now, we just pray to you, and we say, number one, thank you. You loved us enough to say there's danger ahead. And Father, thank you that not by our own strength, but God, we say to you today, Lord, would you fight for me? And I just want to say this to you. I felt prompted just to share this. Some of you today, the greatest temptation you face is the temptation to not believe. 
And I just want to encourage you today to see that as a lie from the enemy, a foolish thing. And would you believe this morning? Would you realize the only one that can save me is Jesus Christ? And so right now, even would you put your faith in him and would you say, okay, I cling to Jesus this morning, to the finished work of the cross. And then for the rest of us, Lord, this morning, we bring our temptations before you. And Father, we say, God, would you lead us in the ways that are everlasting? Would you help us experience life to the full that you promise? In Jesus' name, we pray. Father, thank you that you fight for us. Let's sing together.